Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Only I didn't say fudge. And for gosh sake, watch your language. Watch your profanity. Right, I'm sorry. Explicit language. Gavin, are we ready for this? Can we do it? Alright, dude. Roll the music for 100. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you decided to do a weekly topical podcast instead of just talking about D&D or something, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, March 10th, 2017, what the hell was I thinking edition of the show, episode number 100 and we're gonna get meta. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast has been brought to you by many fine sponsors over the past two years. We couldn't do the show without you. So here's to you, Humble Pie Pastries, when you're wrong, try Humble Pie. Let Miss Cyber Security, name you trust. Tom's Texas Training, even better than being born there. Robo Reagan, the 80s never died, they were only synthesized. Fear, everything is not going to be alright. And 1983, the year your childhood died, we gave you Nintendo and took everything you love in exchange. Here at episode 100, we want to ask you, our, our thankful sponsors, just one question. What the hell were you thinking? If you want to be in radio, forget a podcast. But podcast is for losers, you understand? Do you think this is um, time no. marching beyond you? No. And, Let me tell you, if not... I went and got a podcast, there'd be a different story. I could, I could charge for my podcast and make a living on it. Most people get a podcast. You know why? They can't get a job on a regular radio station. Now, if you really want to be in radio, you got to go out in the ratings world and earn an audience and prove yourself to the powerful people who pay. And, and it's you a don't lo- think the model is changing or shifting? No. Okay. Of course not. I-, I think the fundamental mistake I made was making a big deal about an arbitrary number. Now check that. The fundamental mistake I made was choosing to smoke dope and hang out in the parking lot listening to heavy metal music instead of studying in high school. I mean, sure, I learned some things, but none of them would have made a good admissions essay. But the fundamental mistake I've made about this particular episode is getting worked up about it being our 100th. It's going to be 100 times worse than this, right? Uh, Oh, you got that right. Over the past two years, each week, I've sat down on Friday evening with a little whiskey and a lot of rage and did a show on whatever I jolly well felt like doing. Having no listeners and no real check on my ego is tremendously liberating. I suggest you try it. In fact, and that's why I can have a topic like this year 100th episode. Podcasting itself. A podcast about podcasting. He's got nothing. Yeah, Gavin, I didn't hear your ass sounding off in any of the show prep meetings for ideas. Look, Fast Eddie keeps saying that I need some evergreen shows, so a podcast about podcasting is about as evergreen as you can get. So let's take a break from all this constant carping about politics and pull back the curtain on the wonderful world of on-demand listening. Welcome to the wonderful world of podcasting. (laughs) 
So, you want to make a podcast, just like all the cool kids are doing these days. I mean, everyone else is doing it, why can't you? Not so fast, Jam. First of all, you'll need to know a few basic things. Like, what is a podcast? Where do podcasts come from? And what are the social diseases associated with podcast hosts? And I think I know someone who can help. Meet Potty the Podcast. Hi, everybody! Potty, can you tell us about podcasts? I sure can, Dave. Podcasts are our digital friends who come from the internet. They're on-demand internet radio, like you can get from a transistor AM radio in your 1957 Chevy Bel Air. Okay, that's about as far as I can So, digital audio recording is not new, obviously. It goes all the way back to the 1980s when audio production started moving gradually away from the analog format. By the mid-1990s, the nascent information superhighway... Whoa, 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 what are you, Grandpa? Like 120? I know! Remember when you actually said that? It was lame back then. Now no one even uses it ironically. I'm bringing it back. From now on, all references having to do with anything online will be driving on the information superhighway. So anyway, by the mid-1990s, is the information superhighway... Actually, no, that is, that is just way too many words to say. The internet started getting faster. Internet radio began to appear. Applications for streaming audio over the web suddenly brought distant radio stations into your home. I mean, I remember being in California and listening to my favorite station from Memphis, Tennessee via Real Player, which is an audio format was utter shit. It was like listening to a bad AM transmitter underwater through a stethoscope, but it got its job done. Those were some heady days, pod friends, when the internet was still full of youthful optimism, unconstrained by petty standards like knowing what the hell you were doing. Any jackass with a modem could put stuff online and people would embrace it because all of it sucked. In the days before Web 2.0 and the corporatization of the the internet, we didn't have professional content. We had stupid shit created by some drunk moron with his friends. Hi, Jimmy. Oh, hey, baby. Come on over here a little closer. I got something I want to show you. What the fuck is that? They said it was big, but I didn't expect it to be big. Oh my god. Wow! (laughs) Wow! All I can say is wow! I came very close to spitting out beer. Do you get your pants custom tailored? Well, you probably have to, with a set of balls that big. Jimmy Cavity on CBS 69.9 FM. Five matters. That brings back some memories. Mostly the memories that I was a misogynist little prick back then. What that was was the genesis of this here low-rated podcast, friends. I plugged microphones into computers, ignored copyright laws in good taste, and created a fake radio program that played on the internet long before there were podcasts or anything to cast a pod upon. KBDF 69.9 FM, Radio Free Yuba City, California, the official radio show of the Beer Drinking Federation. If it sounds awful, trust me, it was worse. And it's also why, if you go back in the archives of this show to episode number one, you will find me referring to myself as my old KBDF nom de plume in the opening credits. Live from New York City, Jimmy Cafferty and... What the hell were you thinking? Never listen to that show. Ever. Don't do it. What I'm saying is, I've been playing with this dumb idea for a long time. 
20 years or so. So what do I have to show for it? I don't know that I've actually thought about it, but I guess what I would have to reply to that is cirrhosis of the liver and low-grade depression. (laughs) Back in the year 2000... Oh, Y2K Information Superhighway, we are... Totally jonesing on the nostalgia tonight. The first MP3 players were being produced, and a little company called i2go created a digital audio news service called My Audio To Go and promptly went out of business a year later. Apparently, September of 2001 had one more tragedy than we knew of. By 2003, RSS feeds were integrating on-demand audio and in a simple method for tracking and moving content to a little device that would revolutionize the world and give this format its name, the Edna Kleinbapple. Now, not many people actually know that Steve Jobs originally had named the iPod after his high school sweetheart, but it's a fact. I read it on AbsolutelyNotFakeNews.com. Edna casting never really caught hold as a term because Edna is not a great name, and most people simply referred to Apple's digital audio musical player by its code name that the company had come up with, the iPod. But in my heart, I will always think of what I do as Edna Casting. Podcasting grew quickly but not explosively, and by 2005, Apple's proprietary shit show music manager iTunes included an RSS feed reader for podcasts, and the number of shows rose steadily. Most of that content was created by amateurs, people with passion for a topic and just a little bit of know-how, producing episodes sporadically and without much consistency or production values. Remember how blogs began as a bunch of people who really, really loved the X-Files or Buffy and lovingly pinned their thoughts on the latest episodes riddled with typos, spelling errors, and blinking gifts? Imagine that, but in an audio format. But no matter what, by 2005, the term podcast was the word of the year in the new Oxford American Dictionary. The Cleveland, Ohio of American Dictionaries. In 2006, none other than Ricky Gervais launched a podcast that people actually paid money for. 95 pence for a 30-minute episode. And today's money, accounting for inflation and exchange rate, that's, I don't know, it's, it's like a dollar or something. In 2007, a couple of shit-canned radio DJs, Jack and Stench. God, I love shock jock names. I mean, I I just really wanted to be one. They charged a $5 subscription for their podcast that they started after they were fired, and all of a sudden, people were discovering that there was gold in, in their pods. Jack and Stench. I mean, hey, who am I to huck rocks? My first fake radio show's co-host name was unintentionally anti-Semitic. I mean, it wasn't meant to be that way, but looking back on it now, oh yeah, it was it was highly inappropriate. By 2009, podcasts became monetized. Media companies began creating content and hiring talent for their shows. And I'm guessing this is where the advertising came in. When podcasts were labors of love, they were ad-free, like this one, Hint, 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 hint. When media companies began production, someone needs to pay for it, and along came the sponsors. If you're a podhead, you know the companies that make your pods possible. Stamps.com, Squarespace, Mail... Kimp? Harry's Razors for a smooth shave, try Harry's, and a slew of others. 538 did a great breakdown that I've included in the show notes on the kind of companies that advertises on podcasts and how all of this just exploded at the dawn of the golden age of podcasting. 
How do I know it was the beginning of the golden age? Well, let's just say. Previously um, on Serial. After the sudden and unexpected obsession with the murder of a high school girl and the subsequent conviction of Adnan, suddenly everyone was listening to a podcast. And then everyone was doing a podcast. You no longer needed to be a failed radio DJ or a touring comedian who just wanted to spend some time at home and talk shit with his friends. Podcasts were hip. They were big. They were the new blogs when blogs went from being shitty home-produced fan wanks to glossy media publications essentially replacing print media. And just like with blogs, you were a nobody if your organization did not have a podcast. I mean fucking Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase have podcasts now. And I'm not sure what they talk about. Possibly, and I'm just spitballing here, more effective ways to monetize evil. Dr. Evil, if we shift our resources away from evil empires and towards Starbucks, we can increase our profits fivefold. If you're a journalist, you best have a podcast or at least a steady spot appearing on one. If you're associated with a television show or writing on one, you damn dear have to have to have a podcast. When Colbert went from the Colbert Report to The Late Show, he transitioned with a podcast. And nowadays, there are podcasts about everything. Any interest or hobby has a podcast. Every show on television has some kind of podcast associated with it, and every interest or genre you can think of has one as well. True crime, comedy, news, horror, gaming, comics, education advice, politics, talk shows, and good God, the sports podcast. In 2017, podcasts are exploding like a Mormon on his wedding night. Let me, let me clean you up. All we're waiting on now is the inevitable podcast backlash, and I, I like to think I'm doing some good work in this area. If you've heard this show, you, you know it's as good example of why not every jackass should have a podcast as any. You're not, uh, you're not, you're not good. And eventually we will cross the pod event horizon, and people will start to hate podcasts. Slate, whose Panoply Network is one of the premier podcast networks. You wouldn't let me join me, you black, boring bastards! We'll eventually write the slate pitchy kind of article headline, Everyone Hates Podcast and They Should, and the craze will subside back into normality. And I and Gavin will still be here, stuck, apparently forever, on the worst podcast network in the business, Fast Eddie's Podcast Hut Podcast Network. And here's the thing. I'm kind of okay with that. I started this show in 2015 because I'd been listening to a lot of podcasts. And so many of them were amateur crap with terrible production values, lame hosts, and terrible premises. And I thought, oh, no, anyone can do it. After all, I was a veteran of fictional broadcasts from way back. So I bought a microphone, downloaded Audacity, and recorded a show. It sucked then. It sucks now. You know what, Gavin? Bite my balls. Just bite them. Bite my balls. I didn't have a vision for the show when it started. You can tell, right? I knew two things. I liked the sound of my own voice, and I liked convoluted metaphors. And I was pretty sure that vanity and obscurity were not a winning recipe for a podcast. Turns out, 95% of podcasts are exactly that. Even the ones listened to by more people that can comfortably fit in a public restroom. If they're there on usual business, not like those folks who cram into the comfort station in the Port Authority bus terminal after midnight. 
For my part, I was just going to write some stuff and say some stuff and play some silly sounds in between a hundred episodes later. That's, uh, that's still pretty much the show. Everything you read about creating your own podcast tells you one thing over and over again. Pick a topic and dive deep on it. It should be something you care about, something that moves you, something that someone else will be interested in. It's like creating a profile on Match.com. It's not really you, but the representation of you, which seems most fuckable to other people. So if you went parasailing that one time on vacation, chances are you will say something like parasailing is something you really enjoy, when in reality, you pissed yourself like a drunk frat boy in a dorm room locker. I stuck in my zipper, I got pissed all over my pants. But goddamn, you look good doing it, and maybe someone will think you're fuckable because you look so good. When I created this show, I tried to figure out what made me most fuckable, Metaphorically speaking, because if you're the kind of person who wants to fuck someone because they have a podcast, I uh, I actually really want to meet you. Call me. The show line is uh, right at the end of the show. But the things I was passionate about were pretty much covered by hundreds, if not thousands, of other podcasts. 80s music, 70s televisions, Dungeons & Dragons, Jameson Whiskey. Those were all taken care of. I wanted to do a show about whatever was on my mind that week. What was making me happy or, more likely, pissing me off wanted to vent to get things off my chest because the way I'd been doing it before, mostly by bitching on social media, was starting to cost me friends, and this was before the election. And it took a few episodes, but before long, the show began to resemble an actual production rather than a dude sitting in his room talking into a microphone. The show had a theme, which I'd found by researching Creative Commons music sites, and Hypsno State's Prelude to Common Sense has opened the show ever since. Did I pick that song because of the name? You goddamn right I did, but it's still a rockin' little ditty. Then we had the prefatory question, and it evolved from just something really stupid into something germane to the topic of the week, and each week gained a long opening relevant to whatever the hell I was ranting about. Then we created a sponsor, and that remains one of my favorite bits, and sometimes requires more time and preparation than the 20 or 30 minutes you listen to afterwards. And then finally, I started creating the explicit language warnings, which I totally ripped off from Andy Bauer and Slate Podcast. Those are my favorite of all. But the meat of the show, the stuff in the middle, I know a few people have accused me of lifting it from John Oliver's Last Week Tonight, and I vehemently deny this. It is not a thinly veiled ripoff of Oliver's long-form weekly segments. No! This show is a thinly veiled ripoff of Dennis Miller's rants. Thank you very much. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I've been ripping off Dennis Miller longer than some of you have been alive on this planet. Can we just take a moment to remember Dennis before he was a right-wing nutjob? He was fucking funny back in the day. Of massive compilations of rant ripoffs going way back to the early 90s that no one will ever, ever read because they are really offensive and I'm ashamed of them. Jesus, what the hell was I thinking? In my defense, it was I was in my early 20s, it was the 1990s, and we all thought that being politically correct meant that we were being funny. We actually were being assholes, for the record. Those early shows might have sucked, but they taught me how to write a show, how to pace the show, how to work a topic, and help me find my voice. Those early shows dealt with some real topics. Gun control, feminism, mental health, 
gun control, gun control, gun control again and again. You know, each time someone shot up a bunch of people, religion, free speech, and the media. I keep meaning to get back to these things, but since the election, I am fucking locked in this death spiral like almost everyone else in the country. Yeah, those shows sucked, but in some ways, I liked them more because they weren't constantly about overt politics. And I was unabashedly liberal, but I could talk about things other than what the Twitlers said on Saturday what Jared and Ivanka were observing Shabbos. Saturday, Donnie, is Shabbos, the Jewish day of rest. That means I don't work. I don't drive a car. I don't fucking ride in a car. I don't handle money. I don't turn on the oven. And I sure as shit don't fucking roll! I keep meaning to get back to those things, but since the election, I can't. I talk Trump all the time and nothing but the Trump, and I fucking hate the Trump. I'm here in the middle of this masturbatory review of 100 episodes of low-rated podcasting, and I'm still talking about him anyway. This man is a vicious strain of antibiotic-resistant syphilis you picked up from a stunningly bad decision you made with someone you met at a truck stop, just like that dose of French disease Lurleen gave me that night in 1994 outside the Lubbock Gas and Go. Equally pernicious a threat, eating away at our collective sanity. I feel like I've said too much. Again. Along the way, the show developed a mythology, a cast of characters who are, uh... It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> starting with a punching bag producer... We love you, Gavin! ...who appeared a year ago this week. Fuck you, Gavin! ...to Uncle Murray, who makes appearances in the language warnings, and our newest member, Stephen with a B.H. Bannon, who I promise will not be overused. Much. To the biggest fictional character on this show, me... My name is real, but the character I play on this show is only partially real. For example, I did not catch syphilis from someone at a Lubbock truck stop. Gonorrhea, very least crap. And it was outside of Abilene. What I mean is you shouldn't take everything I say on this show literally, particularly when it's about me. The show is getting enough listeners now that I probably need to say this in case my employer Googles me. What I know, it's been one hell of a cathartic experience. So much anger and frustration I feel is poured into me like, is poured out of me like the whiskey I pour into me while recording. It's allowed me to keep some semblance of sanity in an unsame time. If I talk about politics too much, it's only because I'm terrified the country I care about and the people I love, they're in fucking mortal peril. And when I was younger, I enlisted and pinned a badge on my chest and carried a gun. Then I got a little older and I took a stand against the corrupt system and spoke truth to power until power fired my ass for all that truth-telling. Now, pushing 50, all I have left in me is angry rants and fart jokes and interspersed with civics and history lessons. We all contribute what we can, when we can. Which brings me to my point. We all contribute what we can, when we can. Some of you might be listening now and thinking, this jackass has a podcast? I can do better than this. It's just cursing and making fun of second edition Dungeons and Dragons, which we should be doing, Gavin. And no, I, I could do one. All you need, and you're right, all you need is a microphone and something to say. I guess technically you, you need a computer, otherwise you're just talking to yourself while drinking, and most of my therapists say that that's not healthy. Plug the mic into the computer, hit record, and say what you have to say. It doesn't have to be about politics, it can be about anything. Someone out there will listen to you. It may not be a lot of someone's, but you'll feel better for saying it. 
Each week, I learn something from doing this podcast, and so can you. Do research. Read about the thing you want to talk about. Let it lead you to something you didn't know. Do you think a single fucking clue on the history of podcasting was in my brain before I wrote this show? Shit, no. And all I did was read the Wikipedia article, and now, you know what? I can charge a buck to listen, and some of you might be crazy enough to pay for it. If it worked for Ricky Gervais, who's admittedly more famous and actually much much, much more funnier than I am, although we share have atheism and love of dick jokes, then maybe, hey, who knows, I could charge 50 cents for an episode. Hey, if you're passionate about politics, do a political show. And the nice thing about a political show is that people have to opt in to listen. So instead of jumping down the throat of your cousin, who thinks Trump is the second orange coming, you can record a podcast where you can call your cousin Tom the fucking Nimrod he is. By the way, the names have been changed to protect the idiots. And you know who you are, Tom. And if Tom says anything about it, you can say, dude, you chose to listen. And look, as the end of the world is coming, under the looming tangerine menace, maybe you don't march. Or maybe you hate the sound of your own voice when you're recorded. Trust me, we all do. Even James Earl Jones. Conclusion not found in evidence. You can do whatever you can to resist. Maybe you knit pink pussy hats or have a knack for cross-stitching she persisted on wall hangings. Donate some food to a shelter or smuggle an immigrant family across the country to the Canadian border. Do whatever you think you contribute and then do it. We're all in this together. And we're not talking, well, not all of us, not the 40% of registered voters who actually are against us that voted for Trump, but when they see your cross-stitching, they, they, they could change their mind. Do something. Do anything. You love, and in doing, make the world a better place. Just like this podcast, making the world a better place, one sexually transmitted disease joke at a time. God bless America. And seriously, if I gave you a disease outside a truck stop in Abilene, you should probably call. That is it for our show this week. We did it. We made 100 episodes. This is my thesis, man. This is my closing arguments. I can stop watching TV. I get it. I know this show was probably not what you were expecting. It's different than what we usually do. It's a, it's a navel gazer about nothing but itself. And to any of you that are critical of this, I say fuck you. Do 100 episodes of your own goddamn podcast and come back to me and tell you how you feel. If you would like to see episode 200, good God, I'm not sure I have that in me. I think I need a co-host. Head over and rate and review this show on iTunes so people can find it, hate it, and ignore it. If you prefer your doses of the show and more measured and less less meta, oh God, oh God, it's 100 episodes. And yes, I've been pounding the whiskey like you would not know. Head on over to Twitter and follow the show at the hell underscore podcast with a show name on Facebook. All the shows are at the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, the very real and legally binding Day Bledsoe, the manifestation of my own insecurities that is producer Gavin, Uncle Murray, Stephen with a PH Bannon, and all the other fictional people on this show, we want to say, look at what's happened to us. We can't believe it ourselves. Suddenly, we've done 100 shows. It should have you should have listened to somebody else. Believe it or not, we've done 100 shows. Uh, something we never thought we'd see. One drunk just sitting in his chair. How 
could this be? It's just crazy. We'll see you all next week. Kings Podcasts.